Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. So we've been talking, we've done this, you know, uh, the last three Sundays, we've talked about mercy. Can you say mercy? We've talked about different aspects of mercy. We talked about how in the Old Testament, you know, they, they actually sang songs that de- just declared, you know, the mercy of the Lord. And, 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 you know, that was tremendous, I'm sure. We did that one Sunday. We, we just read one of them psalms and we declared it together. There's a time, there's a story in, in Chronicles that talks about Jehoshaphat when, when uh, the, there was three different armies arrayed against the children of Israel. And, and God said to Jehoshaphat, be cool. I've got this one. Now that sounds good when you're reading it, but when you're living it, it's a challenge. Yeah. I want to tell you. You know, when God tells you to stand still, like Moses, you standing there before the Red Sea and the, the Egyptians were coming to, sw- he was going to get swallowed up going forward or swallowed up staying where he is. Choice, which way? God says, just be cool. I got it. Right, right, right. Is there anybody else out there to help? Come on. But, but God tells him, just, just relax. This battle's not yours, it's mine. And then he instructs them. He gives them the battle plan. The strategic battle plan is to take the singers and the praisers and send them out first. I mean, isn't that what every good army does? And he goes out, he says, he says send them out first and, and declare this song. Sing this song. The words were like this. You know, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. You know, one thing about it is they didn't have to take long trying to remember the lyrics. It was short and sweet. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. So they go out and they sing this song and the power of God is released and it sweeps over the enemy and defeats the enemies that are arrayed against them. And as they go forth singing and declaring the mercy of God, all that's left for them to do is pick up the spoil, which took them three days to gather up the spoil. Wow, that's cool, you know. But, uh, you know, the mercy of God. We talked about how there's healing power in the mercy of God. And today, you know, this is probably the wrapper-upper service. And, and today, what I want to declare, if I get across any point, what I want to declare today is that we need to trust in His mercy more than in us. Trust in God's mercy more than we trust in us. And I'm going to kind of work the message, you know, if you came to the early service, I know there's a few people that go to both. It's always interesting, isn't it? How's it going to roll out now? I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to kind of turn the whole message around and work backwards. And uh, if you weren't in the early service, you'd never know that, except I revealed the secret. Second Chronicles chapter 5, in, in just reading from verse 13, There's a great story here, and it just kind of sets the tone of what I'm believing and what what my heart is crying for. It says that it came even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one. Okay, so what are they talking about? They're, they're they're, 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 They're having church. We'll just say it that way. They're having church. And it came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instrument of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good and his mercy endures forever, that the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord." 
Now we read on, and I didn't read on, but if we did, we'd find this, that as this cloud came in, it was the glory of God. And it filled this house that not even the priests, they couldn't even stand up. It was so thick. So thick. And is that, is that stuff real? Yeah, it's real. Stuff is real. You know, I, I, I was thinking about it as I read that, that, that I remember doing a funeral service. Goodness, it was like in our second year of having church. And a, a, a general, I would say, went on to be with the Lord. He was, he was just shy of 80 years old. And uh, we had the service over in Colfax at the Lutheran Church in Colfax because it was a big building. And we went in there and we had this service just to, you know, honor the man that had gone on to heaven. And uh, his name was Jewel. Some of you know him. And, and uh, we were just doing the service. I remember, uh, you know, we had a few different people speak. And I remember just at one point, I was getting, I'm sitting up on the platform, a little awkward because I'm in one of them churches that have all the symbolism and everything, which I'm not, you know, I'm not a real symbol guy. I don't need, you know, I have to ask him, what chair should I sit in? What pulpit do you stand in? You know, this is how naive I can be. What pulpit do you, is appropriate to stand behind during a service? I see, I mean, those are all good and everything, but I'm just not schooled that way. You know, I didn't grow up in that, and I'd never been in that. So, you know, I'm trying to keep myself straight. And I was just about ready to go up and do my part of the service. And it was just like a, a sense of God filled the place. It was like his presence was just like thick. And I didn't know this till later, but Dana, you know, she was positioned in the congregation about halfway back. And she says right about that very same time, she said, I saw in the spirit. And she said it was like a cloud just rolled in from, from back where the pulpit area was and just came right out over the whole church. And all I know, I didn't see the cloud, you know. You know that stuff can happen and some people see it, and you can be, you know, just as holy in everything, and you don't see it, but it doesn't mean it isn't real. And right about, but you know what, I, I, I knew it, I sensed it. And right about that time, you know, here's me, Mr. Drama. I took my notes that I'd labored over, and I threw them in the air. I said, forget it. And I just went, went with it. And, and some people's eyes went, <laughs> I thought this was a such and such church, <gasps> you know, and I walked down the aisle like I do. You can't hardly imagine that, but I walked down the aisle and just preached, preached up a message and, and, and we said amen and gave, you know, we did an altar call, did all those kind of things and I, I don't have any much more to say, but I just, I just am telling you this, I want that. I want the glory of God in our church, in our services, in our lives. So backing up from that, one thing I see is that somehow the mercy of God and the glory of God are connected. And one thing I see is this, that it's in magnifying God's goodness and His mercy that His glory comes forth. Okay? Let me say it this way. There's no glory in self-righteousness. There's no glory in self 
righteousness. There's glory in his mercy and his love for us. All right, got myself into this thing going backwards and all. Let's see. What I want to read, I'm going to read in, in 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy. It's a Timothy. It's 1 Timothy 6, 17. You know, it goes along with what we're talking about here. What are we talking about? Trusting God, trusting His mercy more than we trust us. Really, that's what we talked about during the giving time. Trusting God more than we trust us. Now, there, don't get me wrong. As a Christian, as a human being on planet Earth, there are things that you can do that will benefit you. And there's things to not do that also will benefit you. But when it comes to you standing before God, the only thing that counts is calling on the mercy of God. Um, have, have you ever noticed this? I've noticed this over the years in praying for people that are sick. Okay? I've noticed this. That it's usually easier to get somebody healed that's a new Christian. It's easier to get a new Christian healed than one that's been saved for 30, 40 years. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever had that experience? I mean, if there is like a newborn Christian that's, that's got sickness, I love praying for them. Come on, come on, let's pray. Brother Hagen, Brother Kenneth E. Hagen, back in the day, had healing crusades, you know, at times, and he said the same thing. He said that when, a, when you get a new Christian, it's easy to get them saved or easy to get them healed. But then you get some church member who's been in the church for decades, it's hard to get them healed. Now, I don't, you know, figure that one out. I don't have every answer, but I will say this. As you get older, sometimes there's a temptation to trust in everything you've done. Well, Brother Hagen doing healing crusades, they started playing a song at the time when they administered to the sick. And it's a song that, that many times was used is in altar calls. And it's, it's the song is, is, Just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. You guys, some of you may know that song. You know, so they would start singing that song at the time he was going to pray for the sick because he said what we're trying to do is get people to get their eyes off them and get them on Jesus. You get to, so much, you get, you get so much standing with God, you know, and all the things you've done. But it's hard to see what Jesus did for me. I remember, you know, I'll tell this story too. I remember when my future son-in-law, Ben Peterson, you know, Back in the day, all these kids were in bands, you know. A couple times we had concerts, even here at the church, and we had them come and play, not during church time. <laughs> but, but, you know, it was a good community outreach. And, and I remember Ben, you know, had just, you know, definitely just been, if he wasn't just saved, he was definitely re rededicated his life to God. And he came in, and he'd hurt his foot really bad. And, you know, Ben's group was going to play that night, and, 
I remember just out in the foyer. I said, all right, Ben, let's just pray. And, you know, he's like, yeah, okay. You know, they don't question things, new Christians. Well, how are you going to pray? Are you going to anoint me with oil? Are you going to lay hands on the sick that they recover? What are you going to do? And I just said, hey, yeah, pray. Come on, pray. I'm hurting. I need prayer. So we laid hands on his foot, and, and bam, he just got healed. I remember even in the show that night, you know, we were facing that way. He got up, and he said, he didn't totally give a testimony, but he said, man, I'm doing better. My foot was hurting before, but now it's good. And, and you know, he got healed. It wasn't hard because he didn't have anything else to stand on except for Jesus. What are you standing on today? What are you trusting today? So Paul, talking here in, in, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, he gave this instruction to, to give to people in the church, in the body. He said, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in, 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 in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who gives us you know, all things to, richly all things to enjoy. He said, charge them that are rich in this world. Charge them. What, are they, what does that mean? What is he talking about? He's, saying, he's not saying, one thing he's not saying here is that it's sinful to have things or riches. He's not saying that, okay? But what he is saying is charge them that they don't, trust in their riches and in their things. Why is that? Because there's a temptation. When you've got that, that's like a power, and you can rely on that instead of relying on God. Just like as, as, a, as a Christian, as you get older in the Lord, that's not a bad thing. There's great things about getting older in the Lord. And it, is, it isn't wrong to do good things. I mean, you, we want to do good things. We want to live free. But it's wrong to trust and rely on those things. It's wrong to trust and rely on riches that come and go. But it's right to trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Are you with me today? Yes. All we're talking about is where's our trust. Our trust needs to be in His mercy. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2, we'll read this. We've got two more places I want to go. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. It says this, but God. Can you say, but God? God. Why would you have to say that? Just make sure you're awake, okay? (laughs) But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ, and by grace you're saved. And he raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now sometimes when I think about God, and I think about how rich He is, I think, maybe you know, maybe you don't, but I think about heaven. And I think about the crystal sea. And I think about, you know, the throne. I think about the rainbow around the throne. I think about, you know, all the the angels singing, holy, holy, holy. You know, it's a total Revelation 4 thing. And I think about the streets of gold. And I think, wow, God is rich. He's got everything. But when Paul here talks about God being rich, the thing he says is, God is rich in mercy. Now, we've said this about mercy. Mercy is like God's want to. You know, God's want to. What does he want to do? He wants to heal your body. God wants to restore your life. God wants to make you free from sin. And that's why he sent Jesus. He did all these things because he wants to. 
It's not like we're trying to talk him into doing something. He wants to do that. This is how you could say it. He's eager to bless your life. God wants to. We read about mercy in, in the Old Testament a number of times. It's translated this word raha. Dana really grabbed onto that word. The word raha, when they use that word, you know, he talks about it as mercy and he talks about it as compassion and it's the same Hebrew word called raha, not rawhide, but raha. And what it means is it's the same kind of love that a parent has for their child. I mean, isn't that wild? I mean, the same kind of love that the parent has for the child. You know, I, I remember when my kids were little and they used to watch TV on, on Saturday mornings. They watched some kind of cartoon thing, you know. I don't know what it was. But uh, I'd sit there, drink coffee while they were doing it. And I remember one time, you know, the, the commercial came on. Imagine that. Saturday morning, a commercial comes on for a doll. And, 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 and I'm telling you, they just know how to time these things. And this commercial comes on for a doll, and I don't, honestly, I don't know if it was Kara or if it was Casey, but she looked at that, and she looked at me and said, I want that. I want that. And I'm telling you, it just went through my heart. You know, the little girl says, I want that. And as a parent, you go, oh, I'm going to get that doll for her, whatever I got to do. And so, and, you know, that week later in the week, you know, Dana and I went out on a date and left the kids at home. And we were going to go to a movie. And before the movie, we had some time. So what do parents do when they're on a date going to a movie and they got some time? We went to the toy store. And we walked through this big toy store. And I said, aha, I know it. I've got it, Dana. I know what they want. And I've found the aisle. I was pretty good at finding my way in this place. And I found the aisle. And I found the section where this doll was that the girls looked at and said, I want that. And, and I, I, I saw it, and there's an empty space, an empty space in that aisle, in that place. And I, I, I didn't stop there. I went and I got help. I went and found someone who worked in the store that had the blue shirt on. I said, hey, there's a doll I'm looking for. And I described it, and I said, we need that doll. We want that doll. And she went and looked and says, oh, we are out of stock on that thing. And the thought that came to me is that all across Minneapolis, on that morning, little girls turned around at their parents and said, I want that. <laughs> it created a craze. And they went, they went, there was a frenzy. There was, they, were, they, were, they were probably in the, the store quicker than I was, obviously. And they were picking up this doll. Why is it? Because a parent loves their child. God, Raha. He has Raha for you. He, he loves you. And we're trusting in his Raha in his mercy over anything. It trumps it all. Luke 18, we'll close with this one. Story that Jesus told. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good preaching, Pastor Paul. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Not bad for a young minister. Luke 18. Jesus spoke this parable to certain people that trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. I'm sure that Jesus' message didn't go over well in this church that day because he was talking to people that, that were there in the church that had this attitude. Not in this church, but I'm just telling you what they had. He said he spoke this parable to certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. You know, whenever people trust in themselves, you know, to be righteous and they're, 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 they think they're right because of what they've done, 
they tend to look down on other people. They tend to despise others. They tend to get mad. You know, there's an attitude of a Pharisee that when people are getting blessed that they don't think deserve to be blessed, they get upset about it. Ha! Imagine that. It says, And two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed with, with himself, thus himself. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican. I mean, can you, man, that guy, I, I, like I say, he, he needs a badge for being a Pharisee. Just standing there in the church, he says, I'm not like that guy. Not like Neil. I mean, hey. No. <laughs> God bless you, Neil. Um, he says, I'm not like this publican over here. He says, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I have. And the publican standing afar off would not lift himself up so much of his eyes into heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Now, here's the deal. Is it wrong to do the things that the Pharisee was doing? No. It was right to do those things. It was good to do those things. Was it right to do the things that the publican was doing? Probably wasn't right. But the whole thing that mattered to Jesus, the whole thing that matters in heaven, was where their trust was at. One was trusting in everything they did. The other was trusting in everything God did. Let's have more trust in God's mercy than we ever have in anything we do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now we don't have to go back and be baby Christians again to get this stuff. If you're rich, you don't have to give everything away unless God tells you. Man, you better make sure it's God if that's the case. And, and, uh, but you know what? You don't have to do all that to be accepted or to be right. I mean, none of that stuff makes you right. But I'm telling you, we're right where we're at. We can say, you know what? I'm just going to make any adjustment that I need to and make sure I'm esteeming God and His mercy greater than any work or anything I've done. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.